You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fabulous Feinstein, 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder. Please take this moment to silence your cell phones. Also, there is no flash photography, please. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, John Hill! Welcome to the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast where we take you behind the scenes at Broadway's Supper Club. Our guest today is an actor, producer, TV, and radio personality. He starred as Jason McConnell in the off-Broadway cult favorite, Bear, a pop opera, and also performed in productions of Hairspray, The Boy from Oz, and Miss Saigon. Currently, he is a producer of Bravo's Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen and co-host of Andy Cohen Live on Sirius XM. He also hosts his own show, The Feels, on Sirius XM. On March 11th, he brings his signature brand of performance to the Feinstein's 54 Below stage for the East Coast premiere of The Feels Live, where he will mix the high energy of his live radio show, his insider Bravo gossip, and his cabaret musical theater chops for a very special evening. Hi, I'm John Hill, and you're listening to the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast. John Hill, welcome to the Fine Science 54 Below podcast. Oh my God, you deserve a round of applause. <laughs> that was so nice. It sounds so classy. I'm this such is... an amateur, though, compared to what you do. Oh my God, I'm worthless. <laughs> that was so, you have such a velvety, clear voice. That was, I feel like this is definitely the classiest podcast I've been on. <laughs> I'm usually just like surrounded by trash. But look at us. We're like in a nice like beautiful Don't studio. Don't you wish everybody could see what? this? Yeah, I do. I, that's bad for radio. Our podcast, we should say we're looking out on the East River. This is East, right? Yeah. Who knows? You're great. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm honored. You have managed to cross over to film and television work after beginning in the theater, which is amazing. Can you just tell us about that journey and where you are with your current career and how this all happened? Mm. I mean, career, yeah. Let's see. Nowhere. But also, yeah, reading that, it sounds like I actually have done stuff. So let's talk about it. Um, everyone who's on stage always is like, I want to transition into TV and film because they want to be like, because you know, we're narcissists. But um, I did that, but then went behind the camera. So I'm still a narcissist, but like still frustrated. So I'm just kidding, by the way. Um, I When I was doing Broadway shows, and I just want to plug myself, the only thing that was um, wrong in that bio is I was in the original cast of Hairspray and Boy From Oz, just not like a replacement. Of course. Not that that's bad. Well, no, we're going to talk about that in a second. No, <laughs> that's why I didn't put it in the intro. Okay. Because we're going to talk oh about it. Oh, my gosh. It. Yes. Um, 
Because yeah, so did those shows, and then I didn't grow up watching TV really. Didn't watch TV, and then Andy Cohen, who we've we're working together, and as we'll talk about, who is going to appear at the show, we'll get there, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, when we met, he was a TV executive, and I had an idea for a movie, and he was like, "Look, this is a great idea, but you should go to LA and pitch it as a documentary series." So I did that, and that's how I started producing television, still performing, but then that's well, that's how it started. That with one kind of idea, which was a theater-based idea, but televised. So it was a documentary uh, television series for MTV. And we made the whole thing, and then there was a scandal, and it was about a high school, and then the entire thing is still sitting in a basement at <gasps> World of Wonder, who produces RuPaul's Drag Race, and it'll never see the light of day. But what? it's a great story sometime when, I'll, when I take you out for drinks sometime. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so crazy. That just mm-hmm. happened to my boyfriend. Oh my God, he who's your sold, boyfriend? Am I your boyfriend? I wish. <laughs> um, he's much shorter uh, and less cute, but oh, adorable I'm sure he's still. amazing, no. Oh no, he just sold a television show um, to a production company and unfortunately mm-hmm. there was a mm-hmm. Me Too issue with the source material uh. that it was based on. And as he was flying to LA that weekend for his first meeting, um, the, the source material, th- okay. The whole thing got can- canned, and unfortunately. But at least he didn't um, have to spend a year of his life in West Virginia shooting with a well. high school. And then the <laughs> Me Too, our Me Too movement happened. Well, it was worse than a Me Too movement. It was like an actual assault. So I think I signed an NDA for that, but it's been 10 years, so who cares? Yeah. But um, best of luck to your boyfriend. I'm sure he's gorgeous and very tall. So <laughs> <laughs> do you think that your um, theater background helped you with your television, your radio work? A hundred percent. A hundred percent television, yes. Um, because a lot of people who go into television go in from a technical background, maybe. I, I found, well, from my experience, I found that going in um, as a direct, I was immediately a director and a pre- with talent. So I was, I was always building the story and basically, you know, even doing unscripted television, I was always writing on the spot, telling people, you know, how to express themselves. So say we were with um, someone who'd never even seen a camera in rural West Virginia, which is where I was doing my first show, telling people, okay, this is a camera. What are you feeling today? I'm nervous about this or that. And then I'd say, okay, you know, and a lot of people think of it as manipulation or, you know, reality shows are fake or whatever. But it, it, I've had a lot of heart going into that and a lot and coming from a storytelling background. I do feel like that gave me and a lot of people didn't understand that who had just come from a straight up like radio, television, film degree. So, yeah, 100 percent. Radio is hard for me because I'm dramatic as my friends like to say, and uh, animated. And I a lot of times think I communicate with my body and my face and my hands, as you can see, as I'm basically like punching in the face with my mm-hmm. hands right now, my coffee's going to spill. But um, so sometimes I have to remember that my voice is doing the talking and not my facial expressions, and I have to communicate with my voice. But I, don't you think that helps? <laughs> they always tell you when you're doing voiceovers or when you're reading a script to actually smile or to frown sure. and that that yeah. translates into the voice and the tone. A hundred percent. Yeah. At, at Andy Cohen live. So I get up in LA and I do the show at 7am. I have to, I get up at five. I walk my dog. I shower. I was, I was like, I'm going to roll in in my pajamas and just do it from the LA studio. But when I, and I tried that a couple of times, but I had such a terrible energy. My vibe was wrong because in New York, every, the lights are on in the studio. He's in a suit. And me being the co-host out in L.A. just did not work with being a schlub. So I get ready. I show up like it's my job for two hours, even though it's 7 in the morning. And then by 9 o'clock, it's like lunchtime for me. But it does add to my 
performance, it's not really a performance, but like Mm -hmm. to my, you know, I show up and I engage. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, you let's talk about your theater because we in the office were reading these credits and we're so amazed and wanted to ask you so many questions about it. Are you serious? Are you being Um, nice? No, we love it. Well, first of all, the owners of Fine Science 54 Below were the producers of Hairspray. Who? Richard Frankel, Tom (gasps) Bertel, Mark Ralph. Oh my God, stop it. So they, the four of them own 54 Below. And so we walk in every day and we see the poster of Hairspray with everybody's names on it. Do you see my name? It's in the hallway, yes. Oh my God. Um, So... And you were also, you were in the original cast of mm-hmm. Hairspray. You were also in the original cast of The Boy from Oz, mm-hmm. um, as well as Bear, which I'm kind of obsessed with. Because Are you? it was one of the, it was groundbreaking for its time. Oh, oh my God, I'm I, loving this. Just the subject matter, the fact that it was, you know, not Little oh. Shop, but it was about a real topic. Um, and I know so many people still hope that it has comes back and has a run and I've had friends who've tried to produce it and for whatever reason Mm -hmm. just hasn't come back but we can (laughs) think about it we can think about it with with fond memories but what was the experience like to be in Hairspray and in Boy From Oz and you know originating a show like that with that are shows that are so iconic ah lights long cigarette sits back in chair. Uh, let's see. Well, which one do you want first? Well, let's talk about Hairspray because okay. obviously That's this the fun is one. a show that means so much to so many people okay. that I think it's one of the most produced shows of high schools across America. Yeah. Um, and Too bad just... I don't get residuals. <laughs> well, if you were originating now, you probably would. So you got you to gotta come back and originate a part and okay. a hit show and then you'll be set for life. Okay. Yeah. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, so what was that experience like? Did you know at the time that it was going to have this impact? Yeah, for sure. So I got cast in a really weird way. You want to hear the story? Yes. Okay. I think people probably already heard it a million times because it's like, well, maybe not. Let's act like they haven't. Um, that was the chair I didn't part. So I was friends with Craig Burns, who's Bernie Telsey casting director. I, th- I mean, he's so we met on a train. He was like, I know you from Miss Saigon. I was like, how do you even know that? He's like, I'm a savant. I know everyone. So and then I had done a commercial with Matt Morrison for MasterCard that also didn't air. Not a Me Too movement thing, but we were we, we were playing male Barbie dolls who were nailed into life-size coffins so it was weird it Mm. didn't air it didn't air there's also a live zebra (laughs) and like a little girl it was weird so it didn't air but he and i became friends and he was cast in hairspray my roommate was in mamma mia and there was all this stuff happening and all of a sudden james carpinello played link Mm -hmm. he left to go to do the film face off as everyone is a fan of that brilliant movie with john travolta and Nicolas cage (laughs) face off brilliant move on James Carpinello's part. He left to do that. Matt Morrison, who was playing Fender, got bumped up to Link, so leaving open the spot of Fender. They said, Craig calls and he's like, we need someone tomorrow. They leave, Hairspray leaves for uh, Seattle, pre-Broadway tryout. 
in two days, they need someone now. So can you come in tomorrow? You'll just get the part. I know you can do it. It's just going to be you and like three other people we're going to show to John Waters and Mark Shaman. I said, yeah. So keep that in mind. The other thing is I already knew of the show because I knew Matt was in the show. I knew my friend Katie Grenfell was in the show. Katie Grenfell used to be my waitress at a Greek restaurant in the village. I just was like, this show's going to be amazing. I love hairspray. So I went in, and of course there weren't five guys there. There were 75 guys there, all what? dressed the same, white T-shirt, jeans. And I was like, well, I'm not getting this. I should just go to my waitering job. Jerry Mitchell comes in and he's like, okay, we're going to dance first. And I was like, okay, I'm really screwed because I can't dance. So I said, instead of dancing, I'm just, because so, I wanted to get out. I didn't want to stay through like maybe callback, callback, callback. So I, I went to the very front line and I showed how bad I could dance. And he was like, you can't dance, but you're really funny. So stay. Cut half of everyone. Everyone left. Then we sang next. And I could sing. But the, I didn't have a book. So the only thing in my book was literally, this is like, um, what is that thing called? Luck? Right. So then I had my book. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and in my book was, I, did, I w didn't go to musical theater school, but I did have things in a binder, which is technically a book. And one of my songs was Uncle Fucker, which was written by Mark Shaman. And I opened my, I didn't know he had written that song. Oh, wow. And I was like, here's my book. And he was like, oh, that's funny that you brought this. And I'm like, why? Do you want me to sing that? He's like, I, that's my name. I was like, oh, who are you? Then there was like, <laughs> so he thought that was funny. I sang. They were like, okay, we like you. It was down to two of us. And then they, we, they read us, as it were. So then we read. They brought in Katie Grenfell, who was my waitress at the Greek restaurant, remember? Wow. She came in to read for Tracy. I was reading for Link. And she like gave me a wink before and she's like yeah 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 i remember you lemon chicken and i was like mm -hmm, here we go <laughs> read it and like because like i would have shied away had i not had a friend reading with me and, right, me, right. and then john waters walked in right as i read the scene and then i left oh, to God. go do i had been cast in another commercial i think for oh i was in a boy band i did four commercials as a bad dancing boy band member four of them one was for nintendo anyway i'm headed down to that one Bernie Tulsi calls and he's like, you're going to make your Broadway debut. Can you leave in two days for Seattle? I was like, I can't do this commercial anymore. So that's how I got cast. Oh, my God. What was the question? That is the best story <laughs> ever. Okay. That's incredible. So that was my audition. So, you know, the I guess the lesson is if you can't dance, be funny. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I didn't have the chops, but I tried really hard. Yeah. And I danced really bad, really hard. You know, <laughs> like I gave I like gave it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the show. That was the best I, show. We're all still family. Like, like you yeah, know, Margot was, Lyon just passed away. We've all been just like heartbreak emoji, just like broken heart. We all flew to New York to do um, the benefit and for uh, lung health. And Julie Halston's husband, who also, you know, it's just been a big deal for all of us. We're all there for each other at all times, always on a text chain. Best I, friends. I love it because uh, Matthew Morrison sometimes plays at 54 Below, mm -hmm. and he does a hairspray mega mix. Oh, and he smart. always talks about how much he'd love to do the show again. He'd have to be corny or something. I would be um, Dick Latessa. Yes. Or. He does this whole bit where he does a bunch of songs, even some of Tracy's songs. Mm -hmm. And he does the choreography and the audience goes nuts because, not just because he's doing it, but it, the show is so beloved. Yeah. Um, adults and time. kids. And it means so much to kids. I, I've heard Mark Shaman talk about high school's write to him and mm -hmm. they say well we, we're not we don't have you know that many african-american students i've seen white motor mouths yes and he it's says brilliant. for high school yes just go <laughs> ahead and do it yeah. and 
go go with God totally. and God bless and, and you know, skinny the, Tracy's. Right. I can't tell you how many I've seen, and it always is. It doesn't matter because the point is not that, and especially for high schoolers and middle schoolers, young kids, especially, it's about being on the outside and finding your way to be integrated into whatever it is. Being bullied, especially people who are ostracized, not in the popular club, not in the popular clique, you know, um, and being able to say like, okay, step aside because I'm here too. And now, that sounded let's, kind of earnest. Let's talk about Boy from Oz. Okay, which that one was different. Is a different experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're working with the mega, mega superstar on that, and people like Stephanie J. Block. Stephanie, um, I knew from Disneyland. You did. Yeah, we were cast in The Hunchback of Notre Dame in Hunch <laughs> in Disneyland uh, in L.A. Oh when God. I was 19. She was cast, and she showed up to rehearsal. I was so excited because I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have a job singing." She showed up. And we were singing through the show, and she was like, I'm going to quit. <laughs> she, she was too talented, so she left. And I was like, I'm going to play Quasimodo for a summer, so that's fine. I was literally Quasimodo. Go Hilarious. ahead, Hilarious. So that was totally different experience, star-driven show. Mm -hmm. So what was that like? Well, at that point, just to be honest, I had a bad attitude in life. So <laughs> I was like, really, I was... I loved Hugh, and I was like, this is going to, I really, they had me go to Lincoln Center to watch the workshop with Ruthie Henshaw and Isabel Keating mm. and Hugh, and I watched, and I was like, Hugh Schmoo, Ruthie Schmoothie, but Isabel Keating, like, I, I had, like, stood up and, like, banged my head against the wall. I couldn't handle it, how good she was, yeah. without any makeup or hair. Yeah, yeah, like, take your Renee Zellweger and, like, s teach her a lesson. Just kidding. Love you, Renee. But um, that was the performance of a lifetime. Yeah. So anyway, I, wa I said, yeah, okay, not that I was like deciding to do the show, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to do this. Because they, long story short, they offered me, like eight months before the show started, even rehearsals, I walked in and they said a few things. They were like, I, well, I walked in and I was his measurements. Because when you're mm. casting for an understudy, really, the main thing is like, do we have to spend money on costumes that aren't going to fit like it, it, and he a, had a lot of them yeah. in a pinch could you fit the actual person's costumes and they're like okay good at that point i had a better frame uh so i walked in and there's that's like a good that was my first th good thing the second thing is i looked more like peter allen than he did even he looks like he could be my uncle um so like okay that and then they said can you do an australian accent i was like it's the only one i can do they said can you do a texan accent and i was like i'm from texas and they said can you play the piano and i was like yeah and they're like can you sing and play the piano i said yes so done mm -hmm. cast i was stoked i was like i get to leave but then he was shooting x-men 2 for like nine months so i had to stand in for him and read with all the lies because i hadn't cast one yet so like beth level came in i was like who is this and i was this young person <laughs> reading with these great people uh, standing in for him and then they decided to cast to put me in the show as mark heron judy's husband i had a little scene i had a little song i think the point of the question is though I didn't understand at the time the earnestness of that show. I didn't understand how you could be in a show with a person playing Liza Minnelli and a person playing Judy Garland and have it not be like a comedy. Mm. I didn't get that yet. I was like, is anyone else seeing this? Like, yeah. are, you, are we? Anyway, so I was a little bit of a class clown and I kind of like a high maintenance bitch a little bit. But I look back on it very fondly. And I think it was very entertaining to the cast. Like I definitely, my goal was to just make Hugh crack every night. And I did. So since we're name dropping, aside from Hugh, when you come across somebody like Stephanie mm. or Matt Morrison or Laura Bell Bundy, do you know 
when you're working with them that these people are destined to be musical theater greats? Yeah. Or does everybody yeah, kind mean, of have... I think you're everybody's all great. Equal. I mean, like, I walk, just for example, like, when I would go on for Link, I would look down and, like, Shoshana Bean would be sitting there and then I had to do this thing where she humped my leg. So at that point, I guess my brain is still stuck in those days where I think everyone is a superstar, but most of all myself. Sorry. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think we're all, when you're in that mentality, you're like, this is, you know, we're young people trying to make it. And, like, I thought Matt was a beyond superstar. And I met uh, Laura Bell Bundy before Hairspray on Guiding Light. I was like an under five. She came up to me. She was like, hi, who are you? I'm Laura. I was like, hi, I'm John. She's like, I'm from Kentucky. I'm like, I'm from Texas. She's like, sorry, I got to go to my scene now. Bye. So like every, there's no one I met who was ever like a diva or -hmm. actually we were all divas maybe. But like I, everyone I worked with, I thought was a superstar instead of, except for the ones who were clearly not. And like, where are they? Mm -hmm. Myself Mm -hmm. included. Oh, please. (laughs) Do you have any... But yeah, uh, Stephanie, I mean, like, yes. This, per- this person came into seeing Esmeralda for Disneyland, and she left. I was like, trust, work, yes, live. <laughs> Superstar, Tony. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because we, you know, we do about 700 shows a year in in our club, and every now and then I just watch, you know, a, a night full of unknown musical theater actors who are probably working yeah. but not... They're not Stephanie J. Block, and I'll just say that person should be a Why isn't this person a star? And it kind of blows my mind, the right. amount of talent, because everybody's good. I mean, out of yeah. the 700 shows we do, maybe there's two a year where I think, hmm, the talent. But for the most part, everybody is fantastic. And then there's a few people where you are like, how do I latch on to them so that mm-hmm. you know I can watch them become huge stars? Like Luann. Ooh. Yeah, Luann. Oh my God, <laughs> that was the last time I we performed love it. Luann. Oh <laughs> Fifty Four Below was in her show, and what? I tanked. Yeah, no, you were oh, yeah. fabulous. Were you everybody there? was fabulous okay. because everybody. Not the just, Giovanni night. This no, is an off but, night. But with everybody Paige has fun when it's just joy and fun. Yeah, those, okay. those nights. Uh, there's no tanking on. Also, on everyone Luan was. Show. <laughs> like schwasted wasted when I was there. And I was like, they don't know even what I'm singing or saying. So it doesn't even care. matter. They just enjoy. love it. Yeah, they love I it. I hope, and please, if you're coming to my show, please get schwasted so I don't have oh to try so God. hard. Speaking of Bravo, Bravo has so many shows with a cult following. Mm-hmm. Uh, Real Housewives, Ro- Project Runway, even top, things like Top Chef were you know huge. And they have a fan conference called BravoCon, which actually blows my mind to think about. Um, that takes place here in New York. And we just mentioned Countess Luann played a bunch of shows at Fine Science 54 Below, also sold out. Why do you think these shows and why do you think these shows have such a rabid fan base? Um, I'm caught now between my TV executive brain and social analyst brain, I think, because like looking at the numbers, people who started watching reality TV, so like Simple Life, who wants to be a millionaire survivor back in 2000 American Idol those things Real Housewives and you know Bravo used to be symphonies and mm-hmm. Tori Amos concerts and Andy was a trio it kind of blended and then got kind of sucked into Bravo um, but then people who were watching Bravo at that time were also watching certain kinds of shows basically I think looking at the timeline of TV people who were 30 around the time of Housewives of New York it got them really good. They stayed with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So the people who were, and, the, and then it just became one of those shows that stuck. Um, then they had 
they became like the aspirational network. So Top Chef, which I worked on, that was one of my first jobs. I love, Top Chef is my favorite of all reality shows. Um, I love it. I loved that job. That was one of the best shows I worked on. I worked on Project Runway when it was still at Bravo. Welcome back, Project Runway to Bravo. Um, and so that was like my school of hard knocks for TV as well. So after my first show, then it became Project Runway, Top Chef. So I was always at Bravo, um, mostly because I was in that family um, and working for World of Wonder, which has RuPaul's Drag Race and talk about a con, mm. drag con. Yeah. And a Vegas show that just opened. So, yeah. Um, why do I think they're iconic? I think a lot of times because they're also uh, super campy. I think it's like the new camp, honestly. Like, I think gay people and, like, queer people enjoy a camp moment. It's like camp as it's happening. You don't have to look back on Mommy Dearest to know it's camp. Mm -hmm. It's like it's happening now. Like, these people are, like, it's live camp happening now. You don't have to wait. For, you know, because camp usually you look back. You're like, wow, what a camp classic. It's like literally camp as we're watching it. Yeah. Is that a good answer? Yeah. Yeah, I think sure. so. I mean, it's it's so the phenomenon to me is really fascinating. I think part of it is also it's guilty pleasures. Totally. Um, and like you said, aspirational. Who mm -hmm. wouldn't want to be dressed it's, it used in to jewels be, yeah. and be on a yacht somewhere? Exactly. And and I was listening to this old uh, documentary about, about an old HBO executive who was saying like, okay, we have Sex in the City. You know, if that's not for you, then you have Game of Thrones. If that's not for you, we have Westworld. If that's not for you, we have comedy. If that's not for you, we have sports. So having these different buckets, and I think Bravo does that well. If you don't like Housewives, you have Million Dollar Listing, which is kind of like an HD. TV-ish kind of, but upper echelon, glossy kind of show about mm -hmm. like really rich homes. You want to dream about that home you want to own one day. If you want a slightly cuter version of like women behaving badly, but still rich, then you have Housewives Are Married to Medicine. And then like my dad's favorite show is Below Deck. So you have something for everyone. They've done a really good job of programming Bravo. And then you have something late at night, which like encompasses the entire thing, which brings us to Watch What Happens Live, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's it like being part of the Bravo family? Um, uh, I did. It, I've been there since. Well, not at Bravo, but I've been doing Bravo Bravo shows since two thousand and eight. So that's what. What is my math? What's that? Ten, twelve years. This is twenty twenty, right? Well, okay. Well, just barely twelve. Yes. Um. So it's been a long time for me. I was very young when I started, and I was going from show to show mostly because uh, that those were my connections. Like those production companies that were making those shows were people that I had known you know, when I was transitioning into television. But then after Watch What Happens Live, I kind of made a decision along with starting to do the radio show, still staying with Andy and doing our show together, which grew and was an, a nice progression from working on Watch What Happens Live, which was four years, which was uh, every single night, which was something I really wanted to do. But I didn't want to do that forever. Um, I like writing my own stuff. I like doing my own stuff. I love performing my own stuff. I love being on the radio, and I like selling my own TV shows and uh, writing scripted shows, which is what I'm doing more of now. And so I don't consider myself a Bravo employee necessarily, but I'm Bravo adjacent, and people come to me a lot of times for Bravo insider scoop. But I don't always have it because I'm like, I don't know who the housewives of Orange County are anymore. Sometimes I watch them, but I watch Rappin's Live. We had to watch them every single day. And sometimes I'd be like, you know what? I want to watch, you know... I don't know, like a mockumentary, or Schitt's Creek, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't always, I don't study them as much. And that's the great thing I, I have at Sirius is that I don't, like you have Amy Phillips on Reality Checked and Jeff Lewis and you have your Bravo, Bravo, Bravo stuff and Andy, but I get to sit and kind of like make jokes about other stuff and do the news and do other pop culture things and music and movies and TV. Your upcoming 54 Below performance is yeah, actually... Yeah, let's talk about that. It's a live taping of your radio show, The Feels. 
which is on Sirius XM for those who are looking for it. What first tell Look, us what I, your, your show is. Your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea. <laughs> tell us what your show is, and then right. we'll talk about how that's going to work live in a cabaret space. Okay, right. Well, starting in 2004, Ben Remelauer and Brian Nash and I started doing solo shows. You know these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely, okay. yeah. 54 Below regulars. Yeah. But back in the day, it was just three of us at the duplex just kind of doing, again, like around the YouTube times, which are like not to be revisited, but a little bit like experimental, <laughs> like envelope pushing um, ridiculousness. Um and a lot of, I mean, the whole, a lot, the whole gimmick, it's kind of like, come and see this show that seems like it's going to be fancy and nice, but really when you get there, it's just like a complete shit show, and you walk out saying, like, what did I just see, but I think I enjoyed it. That was the shtick then. Then we kind of refined it, because as an older person, it's not as cute. That being said, maybe it is going to be like that. What we did, so this is the second time we're doing it. Everyone who's doing podcasts are kind of bringing it live to their fans and audience. I did it in San Francisco. People came out. It was a, it was a great show. It was a little of a free-for-all. I, I, when, when I do my show, I write the whole thing out word for word and kind of the whole thing is planned, especially with Brian. Like, I don't really go off book a lot, but I do go, um, there is a section that's a little bit improvised. So... Uh, it is like standard cabaret, but a little bit of like, um, gosh, how do I explain it? Insulting. But mm-hmm. then there's also, so, it, but it's, it helps us having the radio show there because to, to go off of, because people know what to expect. The radio show itself now is an offshoot of, I'm Andy, I'm Andy's co-host on Andy Cohen Live in the mornings for two hours. And it's an offshoot of that. We continue that onto the feels, which is kind of like, what have we felt for the week? I usually have a guest. like guest co-host, you know, not like in straight up interview, but we just talk about what's happening, talk about our feelings, talk about what we're feeling about, you know, pop culture. uh, Do do people call in? And people call in. Yeah, we're live. So Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing to me. I love that. I love hearing from people. They call up and say all sorts of things. A couple days ago, they were saying like, can men wear tights? I'm like, I have no idea. Sure, go ahead. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's a lot of just like whatever you want to talk about. Um, we've been doing it for five years, and I still have a hard time encapsulating what the show is. Our, we've, we've gone through some slogans. One of them is um, like the feels. What the, fe- what the fuck is even happening even? That was one slogan. <laughs> the other one is, ew, gross, okay. And the other one, so we've gone through a lot of things. It's just kind of like whatever you want to talk about. So the show is songs, uh, original songs, and a mix of stand-up. And guests. So Andy's our guest and Michelle Collins. Got it. And then you have other guests as well. We do. I can't announce them yet, but they're right, right. Um, massive okay. celebrities. And on your radio show, you have guests. Yeah. Different from. So since we were talking about this before we started recording, so if I came on and I said, let's talk about West Side Story, which you just saw, Great. then we would just talk about that and that would be the totally. sh- part of the show. Yeah. And I would talk about, like, what's it like to record your podcast in an apartment or this right. beautiful studio, rather. I mean. Right. You know, okay. and then we talk about that, you know, and your life. And then what we would talk about West Side Story and we talk about like what happened last night or like what you did this morning. And then it leads to bigger topics and deeper things, you know, even though we're all shallow, you know, there's a depth there. Shallowness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Am um, I Lady Gaga? What? Far from the shallows now? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Star is born. Thanks. Where's my Oscar? So for your live show, uh, can people expect uh, musical numbers as well? I think keep the expectations real low. That's just <laughs> what, if there's music or not. No. Um, yes. There's going to be song. There's going to be a couple of original songs and then some other ones that are just, um, yeah, and the whole thing will be underscored by Brian Nash, who's a longtime collaborator of mine. He and Natalie Joy Johnson and I have done Joe's Pub shows for a long time, the first one being Natalie Joy Johnson's Relentless, Full Bush, and um, our last one, which I forget the title of because it was such a piece of shit. <laughs> but come to my show. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it will be a great time. I, it's going to be a great time. I'm, I'm not, like, downplaying it. It will be yeah, very, very, very fun. It sounds really The fun. audience is very integrated into the show. There's a lot of audience interaction, which I used to be really afraid of. Now I love it. Um, I like to think I'm a very nice insult comic. So what was the inspiration for you wanting to go out and do this kind Money. of a live show? Money? Well, I know we're not paying you that much, so. No, you're not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, you can Venmo me. No, you are. Oh, my gosh. You're being so sweet. Um, I did do fine stuff. Like, I missed. So I do my shows in L.A., too. Yeah, I miss doing it, and um, it's nice to get up and do it again. It's nice you to get mean up being and in front of a live audience yeah. too, yeah, versus in a studio with for sure by yourself, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like your way of getting out and to be somewhat theatrical. Yeah, well, as I've gotten older, I look back to when I was, you know, you look back and you say, "What was I put on the, put on this planet to do?" And it's like, "What have I?" And it's the answer is always, "What have you always done?" That's probably what you're supposed to do on this earth. And since I was two. I've gotten up and just like entertained whoever. Totally. So like it may, sometimes I get frustrated. So I'm like, well, I'll just book myself and then we'll do a show. And I'm always like super happy to do it. Makes me happy. It's going to be different than it has. It's going to be definitely the first one. Last time, last time I did it, I've, I've been sticking to definitely more of a live theatrical. That's my comfort zone is entertaining live. So understanding that every podcast is going out and they're literally just sitting at a table chatting. That's not my comfort zone. Cause I feel like that's boring to a live audience. Mm-hmm. So I'm leaning into that. I feel like I really want to deliver and like get up and just like give it all I have. So this is going to be a little bit different in that they will get a li- people will get a little bit of that, but they will also get a lot of conversation because it is going to air. Well, let me explain it this way. When I was 14, I heard Sandra Bernhardt's show without, you know, I'm nothing. I got a bootleg DVD from like some queen I did a show with and he's like hey you should listen to this because like clearly you're gay and I was like thanks I listened to it and I would just listen to it at night and I couldn't hear what I could hear her say one word I would hear the audience go crazy but I couldn't see what was happening I didn't know what was funny but I was saying she's doing something that makes them laugh and I don't know what it is but I'm gonna go to New York and figure that out and I feel like a lot of times when you hear the audio of my show especially from the one I did on the west coast it doesn't translate because I won't be saying a whole lot, but I'll be getting laughs mm-hmm. because I, I kill. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm sure. but, um, so I think this time a little bit, uh, since I have been focusing more on the material being written out more specifically and audio focused and not just about like, you know, Pratt falls because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like doing a fall. I'm just kidding. I hate doing that. I'm not too old to do that anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I think you can handle I'm sturdy. a good, yeah. good Pratt fall. Okay. Well, um, I might damage your room. <laughs> We just had 
Tony Yazbek tap dancing on it for Yeah, but he's so talented. I'm never going to give you Tony Yazbek. But hard tap dancing. So if he didn't break the floor. He also has like a hot body. He's got to take off his shirt and like entertain the crowd. Like I have to work really hard. No, he doesn't take off his shirt because he's, you know, he's doing Gershwin classy. So he's in a tux and tap shoes. But that's, yeah, that's really hot hot too. Yeah. Well, you have such an amazing flourishing career in television and radio. Mm. But is there a part or a role that could lure you back to the theater. Oh my God, I would, any part, literally any part. I would play like a dead body with no lines, for sure. Or Scarlett Johansson playing a tree. I would do literally anything. It's the best job in the world. Don't ever leave Broadway if you have a good career. Like, I don't regret that, but I also kind of do because how fun, it's the best job in the world. I'm so grateful for those years I had. The camaraderie, the small spaces, the complaints, you know, you're like, 18 inches of space that you're allotted by equity. I liked all that stuff. I was su- I'm was glad I did it when I was really young, but there is no other job in the world like it. And I know there are so many people who come here trying to do that that don't get to and deserve to and are way more talented than I am, you know, or at certain things. And it, I was going to say about what you are talking about before, like there are so, so many people who are so talented and why is it not happening this time or that time? Think of it in terms of, I thought Stephanie J. J. Block should have won a Tony for a bunch of other shows before even share the, no even, shade to the share well, show but i'm like wait a minute for the share even the pirate okay. queen the pirate queen even if the show Comp- we didn't or what love is the that? show but Comp- it's not company what is that other show falsettos falsettos like, oh my god falsettos i yeah. thought she was gonna win for sure so like all these things yeah. remember th- like dick latessa winning for hairspray and he was 75 like there's plenty of time for these people to come out of the woodwork and to earn their things celia keenan bolger like there there's lots of time for these people like she should have won a million years ago uh there's a lot of time for people to like, I do have faith in the process and the mm-hmm. system that people will get their due when it's time. Final question, okay, and then we'll let you go. Okay. What are some upcoming projects that you're excited about? Well, the easy thing to say is that I've recently signed a very important non-disclosure agreement with what I'm working on, so I can't even tell you, oh, but it's no. all really important. But I am going to be coming back to back from New York. I have I rarely come back to New York, but I'm going to be coming back a lot more. And um, okay. so I'm working just down the street um, and more live shows. So we're doing a tour. That's the whole oh, point great. of this is that we're starting to get booked in more cities. So Excellent. this is kind of like the start, the kickoff of that. Um, and How do you so, get the energy to do all, do all of this? That's easy for me. Like, this is super easy. You get up and do a radio show in the morning. That's you do easy. this in the afternoon, That's right? easy. And then you're doing shows at night that's and easy. developing a million other That's projects. hard. I don't like doing the normal job. I don't like doing manage, like the boss managing stuff. I do it for the money. But, like, this is easy. I could, like, talk and be an idiot all day long. Or, like, get up and sing and be stupid. That's easy. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait us. for my show. I did such a we good job of selling it. We Come are so it. excited for your show because I think it's going to be unlike anything it will. our audiences have seen. Let me ask you something, though. Are, are your audiences easily um, offended? Because, like, in San Francisco, like, during rehearsal, they were like, <laughs> well, we're going to have Well, we're talking about San Francisco, you know. <laughs> but, no, they eject. They, they had to keep people away from the show because it was so filthy. So, like, do I need to take that into account? Probably for our okay. regular members. There's just some visual aids that are really shocking. But I'm trying to like <laughs> maybe okay, I'm gonna revisit some of that stuff. I just wanna like know who I, who's coming. But also your fans are coming who want to They're see They're pigs. They're pigs. Exactly. Yeah. So you gotta keep that in mind okay. too, because we are want you coming? them to of course. Okay. Of course. Okay, I don't know. And I you love it all. Come. Okay. Yes, all right. no, I'll I'll love it. I trust me. Um excellent. Can't wait. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Thank you John. for having me. Um, March 11th, 7 p.m., Fine Science 54 Below. Tickets at 54below.com. And uh, we will see you then. Thank you for having me. I had such a great time talking to you. Thanks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.